0: Now let's turn in our Bibles to First Peter chapter 1, if you didn't get there earlier, and verse 9. We've seen in our prayer study in midweek, our Bible study midweek, we've seen several things from this portion, the source of our salvation, verses 1 and 2, the security of our salvation, verses 3 and 4, the song of our salvation, verses 6 to 9. Today we look at the saints of the Old Testament and our salvation. We search the scriptures with them. And this is the title of this morning's message, Searching the Scriptures. Not only did the saints of the Old Testament inquire about what was coming and this mystery that was coming, but the sons of God, the angels, looked into these things. They marveled that the their Lord... <laughs> The Lord Jesus Christ would suffer as he did, and uh, they must have wondered how much he loves human beings. Well, as far as an introduction to this, I'm going to read a portion of what Warren Risby wrote concerning this portion of scripture. He said, the amazing thing about salvation is that we're waiting for Christ, for our salvation to be complete. It was a part of God's plan for us for or from eternity. The Old Testament prophets wrote about this salvation, studied it closely, that, that God had revealed to them. They saw the sufferings of the Messiah and also the glory that would follow, the sufferings and the glory. But they couldn't fully understand the connection between the two. In fact, in some of the prophecies, the Messiah's suffering and glory is seen in the same verses. When Jesus came to earth, the Jewish teachers were waiting a conquering Messiah, who would defeat Israel's enemies and establish the glorious kingdom of David. Even his own disciples were not clear about the need of his death on the cross. According to Matthew sixteen thirteen, they were still inquiring about the Jewish kingdom after his resurrection in Acts one. Verses 1 to 8, and we'll look at these verses in a little bit. If the disciples were not clear about God's program, certainly the Old Testament prophets could be excused. God told the prophets that they were ministering for a future generation between the sufferings of Messiah and the return in glory when he comes, what we call the church age. The truth about the church was a hidden mystery in the Old Testament. The church was not in the Old Testament. Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. The Old Testament believers looked ahead by faith and saw, as it were, two mountain peaks, Mount Calvary, where Messiah suffered and died, Isaiah 53, and Mount Olivet, where he will return in glory, Zechariah 14, verse 4. And we have a little graph to put up, and you can look at that as we go along. And uh, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, maybe that's all you need for the sermon today. Have a look and see. It's simply put, and you'll be able to fill in the blanks and put the scripture verses in the appropriate places in, in that picture there. They could see a valley between Mount Calvary and Mount Olivet, the present church age. Even the angels are interested in what God is doing in and through his church you can read 1 Corinthians 4.9 Ephesians 3.10 for further information about how they're looking into these things now if the Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the truths of salvation and yet had so little to go on how much more ought we to search the scriptures now that we have the completed word of God we've got so much more than they had We need to search the Scripture. The same Holy Spirit who taught the prophets and through them wrote the Word of God can teach us the truths contained in the Word. John 16, verse 12 and following. Furthermore, we can learn these truths from the Old Testament as well as from the New Testament. You can find Christ in every part of the Old Testament Scriptures. Luke 24, 25. What a delight it is to meet Christ in the Old Testament, from the beginning to the end, the Bible is about the Lord Jesus Christ. We find him in the law, we find him in the types, the tabernacle, the ark, Noah's ark, the ark in the tabernacle, uh, the temple, all the priesthood, the the clothing, the the coats, the colours, all these things. Picture the Lord Jesus Christ who would come uh, in the Psalms and in the prophets and in the writings. We have the privilege. For us, it, as Christians, it's glory all the way. We have so much more than they had. And we ought to be rebuked if we're not in the scriptures and studying to see if these things are not so as the Old Testament prophets. Well, back to our portion here in First Peter. The mystery message to the prophets. Search the scriptures. They did to find out this mystery. They understood the message of salvation. They knew there was something going, <laughs> something going on. In Isaiah 52, and verse 7, we read this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Here he's speaking about salvation that would come and would be provided. And the quotation in Romans chapter 10, when Paul is talking about preachers that go out to minister the word of God, Romans 10, 15 to 17, quote, Isaiah 52 and verse 7, the feet of them that bring good tidings, (laughs) the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, Romans 10. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3 and 6, you see, these prophets understood the message was salvation. And 53, verse 6, the well known chapter. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. Romans chapter 3. All have gone out of the way. They together become unprofitable. It says there. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Back in verse 3. He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And this is all about salvation. The prophets understood that this was so, that he was going to suffer. And in verse 10 of Isaiah 53, we read, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He shall put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. You read Hebrews all about that, the offering, the once for all finished, perfect offering of the Lord Jesus. Verse 11, Isaiah 53, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Yes, the Heavenly Father would be propitiated, would be satisfied with the offering of his son, and that's proven by the resurrection of his son, the Lord Jesus, from the grave. Isaiah fifty-five and verse two or one and two, Ho, every one that thirsteth, come to the waters; and he that hath no money, come buy and eat. And come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Salvation is free; it's not by works of righteousness. It's a gift from God. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me. And eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Here it's a salvation message that these prophets they understood this, they're excited about this, <laughs> and they couldn't comprehend everything in time together with the crown, because the kingdom of the Lord Jesus is spoken about all throughout the Old Testament. How can this one suffer? How can this one provide salvation and die and still be a king? with a throne. In Isaiah 55 and verse 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let them return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. It's like (laughs) New Testament teaching on salvation. These verses Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in high and holy place with him also who is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And uh, the New Testament, unless we humble ourselves and have the mind of Christ, Philippians 2. And Peter talks about this humility. We, we humble and bow before him and say, Who am I? But he provided salvation for those who recognize that they are sinners and need salvation and humble themselves. In Isaiah 61, and verse 1, we read, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he is, the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Huh? We're bound in sin, we're bound to the with this old nature and God has given us liberty and let us out of the prison and uh, given us salvation so they understood the message was salvation they didn't understand the mystery so what did they do well first of all they searched the scriptures if you go back to first peter first peter chapter 1 and verse 10 and the first part of that of which salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. They didn't. They couldn't tie the cross and the crown, the suffering and the sovereignty of the Lord. They searched diligently. Jesus told the Jews, in John five verse eighteen, who sought to kill him. He said in verse thirty nine of chapter five, "Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life." And they are they which testify of me, said the Lord Jesus. Search the scriptures. And he told them, those that wanted to kill him, that very thing. In the book of Acts, in chapter 17, and verse 3, we read, Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ so Paul reasoned with those of Thessalonica the Jews there and others that would had a listening ear he reasoned with them out of the scriptures Old Testament scriptures of course New Testament wasn't written and he talked to them about the Lord Jesus that he would suffer and rise again you know when Paul got the message of salvation clear when he got saved the whole Old Testament fell into place the prophets and he must have reveled in that thought of understanding these things and was so distraught for his nation I wished I myself were a curse from Christ for them my brethren that they would turn and understand comprehend these things Um, and verse 4 of Acts 17 and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the chief women so he opened and alleged he reasoned and talked with them. He opened and alleged that Christ must suffer in Acts 17. And in verse 11 of chapter 17 of Acts, these were more more noble than those in Thessalonica in they they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. What was on? There was a search for truth. (laughs) And the prophets didn't understand the mystery. They were searching for this. Paul got it. He understood what the prophets were saying. And it comes through the searching of the Scripture. Second 2 Timothy 2.15, we know that verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're to search the Scriptures, as the prophets did then when the Lord Jesus was about to come. We're at the other end. They were before the cross. We're before the crown. We need to search the Scriptures to... See whether these things be so. It is true, it is in the Scriptures. that They didn't understand, so they searched the Scriptures. They didn't understand, so they summarized dutifully. They searched the Scriptures diligently and they summarized the Scriptures dutifully. In verse 10, back there in First Peter, we have <clears throat> this written, the second part of that, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. The grace was coming, the grace was coming. They they comprehended that. That's what they summarized. Great grace was coming. They lived under the law. They lived when things were not like they are now. And in Galatians chapter three and verse nineteen we read we read these things Galatians 3 and verse 19 Wherefore then serveth the law it was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator In verse 21 it is the law then is the law then against the promises of God God forbid if there had been a law given which could have given life verily righteousness would have been by the law But the Scriptures hath concluded all under sin, that the promise of faith, by faith, of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, and this is where the Old Testament prophets were, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith that should afterward be revealed. They comprehended this. They saw grace coming. They were living under the law. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith but after faith is come we're no longer under a schoolmaster so they were shut up under the law waiting for the faith that should come and the grace that should be bestowed upon people that believe glorious wonderful grace that was coming they were looking into this and they were amazed at it and in ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 we read to the praise of the glory of his grace through which he made us accepted in the beloved And in verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, and it's all through Ephesians. 2, verse 7 and 8, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Chapter 3 and verse 2. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me toward you. And we'll look at that a bit later. But Paul's saying, I've got this ministry of the dispensation, the period of time of the grace of God. And you remember that that chart we put up there, the prophet standing there, he saw the cross. He saw the crown, but he didn't see the grace. And they were beginning to comprehend there's something, there's a mystery. And it was revealed to Paul what was going to transpire between the suffering and the cross. You see, they in their mind were saying, how can the Messiah come, die, and then receive a crown? He's dead. But he would rise again. And then there would be a whole period of time between the two, the cross and the crown called The Dispensation of the Grace of God that Paul received special revelation concerning. Now, John the Baptist was their last prophet. John the Baptist in John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 29, the last of Israel's prophets. And we read there in verse 29, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. The bride, the church, the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. But the friend of the bridegroom who standeth and heareth him rejoices greatly. That was John. He was a friend of the bridegroom, he wasn't part of the church. Because he rejoiced greatly because of the bridegroom's the Lord Jesus' voice. This my joy, John the Baptist, is therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He was a prophet, he was the last of their prophets. And in Luke 7:28 it says of John the Baptist there is not a greater prophet than that of John the Baptist. In John 16 and verse 16 the law and the prophets were until John. That is they were not part of the church for it didn't exist. Jesus said himself that in his lifetime that his and ministry that the I will build my church upon this rock. Himself. He said it to Peter when referring to him as a little rock. And he will build the church. It's future. And uh, John the Baptist wasn't part of the church. His joy was complete in seeing the bridegroom and hearing his voice. And that one day the Lord would build the church. So they summarized dutifully, they searched diligently. And they scrutinized determinately. They were like a dog with a bone, as we say. They weren't going to give up. What is this all about? And there's some New Testament references, many of them, and I was reading through the New Testament and I am just pulling them out and writing some of them down. Matthew 13, 16 and 17 says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets... And righteous men have desired to see the th- those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear the things which ye have heard and have not heard them. And so here the Lord is saying, the people that are hearing and seeing this are blessed people. Prophets looked and searched and couldn't find it. And many times the prophets are mentioned in, in doing this. In Luke twenty four twenty five, it said, Then he, the Lord Jesus, said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? These were two on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus drew up next to them. And they were so sad and so so upset. And when the Lord said, what's, what's going on? They said, well, the one that we thought would be our Messiah. They've killed him we had all our hopes pinned on him, that he'd bring in the crown, he'd bring in the kingdom. And this is the third day he's, he's died and here he was talking to them. And fools, he said, and slow of heart to believe. Listen, we are called by the Lord fools if we don't understand what the prophets of the Old Testament say. If we try to sweep it under the carpet and say, that doesn't matter, just give me something on Christian living or say, you know these things, You'll know about Christian living with the imminent coming of the Lord just around the corner. They didn't understand the cross before the crown which all the prophets have spoken about. In the book of Acts in chapter 3, verse 18, we read this. But those things which God before had shown by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Don't you get it? (laughs) Peter was preaching this first sermon and he got it. The penny dropped. (laughs) He understood in verse 21 of the same chapter in Acts Acts chapter 3. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets. A study of the Old Testament and the prophets is worth us searching, getting into it. And in verse 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you. In verse 24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who followed after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these things. Search the scriptures. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, he was talking about the cross. In these verses we've read, the crown and the cross were spoken about. In the same verses, sometimes just the cross was spoken about. You can read that about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. In chapter 13 and 27 of Acts, because they knew him not, nor yet the voice of the prophets, which they read every Sabbath and fulfilled them in condemning him. They were reading these things. They were reading them on the Sabbath day in their synagogues. They didn't comprehend it. They didn't get it. They talked about the suffering of the Messiah. Today they won't read Isaiah 53 in their synagogues for fear that it might be speaking about the one they crucified. The voice of all the prophets. They read, they read, and they read it. And isn't that happening in churches today? They read over repetitiously the word of God and it makes no sense to them. And they, they, the preachers, can't interpret it for the people because it makes no sense to the preacher. And the pastors, isn't it a shame? They're doing exactly what the Jews did. It goes over their head. They don't know what it's saying. And shame on us if we call ourselves Christians and we don't comprehend the things that he's spoken about. We'll look at Acts chapter 15, verse 15 and 16 later. But all the prophets agree. All the prophets agree that God did visit the Gentiles, the gap in the the picture that we have up, or that the Gentiles would be saved and take out of them a people for his name, the church. And then after this, I will return, said the Lord Jesus, and build again the tabernacle of David, the crown, the cross and the crown. And uh, Peter mentioned that there. So they summarized dutifully they scrutinised the scriptures very carefully. And what conclusion did these prophets as they searched and studied and did these things? What did they come to in relation to the times and the truths that they discovered? These, these were, men were brilliant. These men huh, were inspired to write the scriptures. These men wrote things down and, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> and they were not going to let it go. They understood There was a cross and a crown. You'll hear me say it over and over again. There's a cross, the suffering Saviour, and there's a crown, the sovereign King. Suffering and glory. Look back at our portion in Peter there in verse 11, signifying when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, the sufferings on the cross, the glory of the crown that was to follow. And there was a valley of grace between, which has now been going for 1,991 years, just short of two millennia, if you say that Christ was born 4 BC. How do these two opposites integrate? How do these two, cross and crown, how could they be speaking of the same person? This is the questions the prophets had then when they even wrote these things down. How can these two come together in one? How can this be the same person? In the cross and the crown, we see the mystery of, the, of Christ's suffering and we see the manifestation of Christ's splendor, the suffering and the glory. First of all, the mystery of the church. And Christ's suffering, as revealed in the book of Ephesians, and chapter three, we go back to Ephesians chapter three, where we t- took a verse from earlier. As revealed to Paul, this cause I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God given me toward you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. By which, when ye read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which, in other ages, was not made known unto the sons of men as, is, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, not only Paul, Peter, Peter, and the sheep coming down with the Gentiles, unclean animals in it, by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow-heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, and so. Paul had that revelation. The others got it after Pentecost and they reveled in the wonderful truth of the grace of the Lord that would come. We live in the dispensation of the grace of the Lord. We live in the church age. We live in a day when the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Let us notice the disciples' fixation on the crown. They could just think crown, crown, kingdom, kingdom. we got people around like that today too. <laughs> that the church is going to bring in the kingdom. Not so. <laughs> Only the Lord will do that. And let us notice their fixation on the kingdom and all Israel with them. Why? Because in Matthew 3, 2, John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, any wonder they got a little confused. This is what he preached. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew four seventeen. In Matthew 10, 7, Jesus charged his disciples to go out and preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel only. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew 13. Where the Lord changed tact and he started te- speaking to them in parables. The, the, the disciples said, why speakest unto them in parables? And, it sa- and the Lord said, because it is given for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The church age. And there he preached or taught gospel truth for that chapter 13 of Matthew this is the mystery form of the kingdom there's a church there's an age when the Lord would deal with people differently than he had under the law oh yes by faith we all need to come and the mystery of the kingdom of heaven were revealed there to them this Jesus said is the kingdom in mystery form and it will be so for the duration of the church age of grace which grace is bestowed on the gentiles we have so much maybe i should have divided this into two sermons again but we haven't let's continue what did the law what did the jews do what did the people do they murdered the last prophet john the baptist matthew 14 verse 1 they rejected the offer of the king and his kingdom in matthew 5 there, so it's the scriptures, the Lord said, for in them that you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. And what did they do? They ended up murdering him at the end of the gospel accounts. You find that. Peter, just after the Lord had asked the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Lord said, blessed art thou, Simon and Jonah? Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. And wow, you know quite a quite one for Peter and just a few verses later in Matthew 16 23 where the Lord said he was going to go and die and suffer at the hands of wicked men he's going to die a death a cruel death and just after at this time Peter took him aside and we haven't time to look at it you can look at it in Matthew 16 he took the Lord aside and rebuked the Lord yeah he's a man telling God what he should be thinking and and what's planned ahead. You see, the fixation that Peter had, there's a crown, there's a kingdom. And the Lord said, I'm going to die. No, Peter said, no, you're not. No, you're not. And you know what the Lord said to Peter? Get thou behind me, Satan. This is the way that I'm going. It's the way of the cross. And then in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 and 6 The disciples argued amongst themselves who would be the greatest in the kingdom. All I could think was kingdom, kingdom, crown, power, authority. And then just a little later in Matthew chapter 20, the two sons of thunder, James and John, got mummy, got mummy to ask the Lord for the top spot on the right and the left hand. And the Lord said, it's not mine to give. He didn't say there wasn't a kingdom coming, but he said, it's not mine to give. And here they were thinking, crown. Not, not only did these two ask, but the other two in verse 24 of Matthew 20 were envious that they'd thought of this and asked for the spot. They all wanted to be top in the power and the struggle for authority in the kingdom. You see, they'd been taught it. They'd taught it. The, the, and John the Baptist had taught it. The Lord had taught it. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they couldn't get it out of their mind. They had a fixation. About the crown. Then in Matthew 24, verses 1 and 3, just after verse 20, uh, 37 of chapter 23, where the Lord said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them, you know, they're rejecting the Messiah. How often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers the chickens, and you would not. Your house is left to you desolate. In Matthew 24, the disciples were enamored by the building of the temple that Herod. That had built, the Lord Jesus called him that old fox. They were looking at the building and saying, "Wow, this is probably the place we're going to rule from. This is where the kingdom, the authority is going to be situated, right here at this place." And and they were saying, "Lord, look at this wonderful temple. This is the place you can come back and you you can reign from." And they thought it was going to happen immediately and quickly. And the Lord Jesus then proceeded to tell them that there's not going to be one stone left upon another. And they were horrified. But aren't you going to bring in a kingdom? Their thinking was mixed up. They weren't listening to the word. They weren't listening to what the prophets had already searched out. They were thinking crown. Christ was thinking cross. Their thinking was stuck in a rut. And they couldn't think otherwise. And then... In Acts, and I'd love to look all these up. I've got them referenced here. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, 6 and 7, Jesus is talking about going out and witnessing to people before and after the, the, that commission in verse 1 of Acts, uh, verse 8 of chapter 1 of Acts, is to you know, go ye into all the world. <laughs> and uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, out the most parts of the world. But in between there, the disciples weren't in sync what? With what the Lord was saying. This is after death, burial, and resurrection. The Lord is talking to them. And they said, This, wilt thou again restore to us the kingdom? What were they thinking? They were still thinking, crown. Forget about going out talking to people about the Lord and winning souls, the church age, the day of grace. Will you restore the kingdom? Will we get the power with you? Jesus didn't say, he wouldn't restore it, but he said, "It's not for you to know the time. It's going to happen, but not now, lads." Huh. In Luke twenty-four, verse thirteen to thirty-two, Jesus spoke to those two sorrowful saints, those two miserable men on the road to Emmaus, who said, "We trusted that he would; it would be he that who should have redeemed Israel, but he's dead." Jesus said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, then to enter his glory, the suffering, the day of grace, and then the crown. They didn't get it, neither do millions of Christians get it, neither do majority of clergy today get it, neither does Christendom get it. In general, they're stuck in a rut of ritualism and allegorical interpretation coming from Origen and Augustine way back then and haven't got out of the rut. Peter said of these people that are stuck in a rut, Second Peter three sixteen, that they are unlearned and unstable. They rest or twist the scriptures, as do the to their own destruction. Well, the manifestation of Christ's crown and sovereign. Coming, Peter declared that Christ would visit the Gentiles with salvation. Let's let's look at this one in Acts chapter 15. Simon, Peter, has declared how God, at the first, did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name, the Church, a people for His name, the Bride of Christ, the Body, the Building, the New Testament. To this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. This is what the prophets said. They agree. And Peter is preaching. After this I will return. After what? After he's built the church. After he's got a people for his name. I, the Lord, will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. The crown. The sovereign king. It, it's so simple. Don't try to twist it. Don't try to allegorize it. Don't try to spiritualize it. It says what it means and means what it says. And if we had time, well, we've, we've got to make time. Romans 11, verse 25. And there's this wonderful portion of Scripture that Paul is ministering to the Romans with, he said, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Don't be ignorant of the mystery of the church. Lest ye be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel. They are without a king, without an ephod, without a temple, without a tabernacle. They have been for almost 2,000 years. This has happened to Israel until the to- the fullness of the Gentiles come in, until God brings those that were referred to in Acts 15 into the fullness of the church. The last person will get saved and Jesus will come it's happened in part to Israel the blindness they're still blind they still don't get it just like their forefathers in the Lord's time they didn't get it they want the kingdom they want the crown they want the power isn't that isn't that the old man that that lives in each of us we'd rather have authority and power than humility and grace and the gospel how sad And verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved. It is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. He's going to come. He's going to turn, turn them back to himself. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sakes. He's talking to Gentiles. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Without repentance means they're irrevocable. God has made covenant with Israel that's irrevocable. He cannot change it. He said it and he'll do it. He'll bring them back to himself. And that happens in Zechariah twelve ten, with a look upon him whom they have pierced. He will make himself known to his brethren like Joseph made himself known to his brethren in Genesis 45. And they were terrified at his presence. It says there in Genesis 45, they were troubled or terrified. Well, the glory that should follow that Peter refers to back there in verse 11 of 1 Peter 1. The glory that will follow. Well, listen to it in the scriptures. Matthew twenty-four twenty-seven. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For ever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. The moon shall not give its light. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they, sh- and they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's what he's referring to, First Peter one eleven. The suffering and the glory, the cross and the crown. And Revelation 19 refers to it as well in verse 11 to 16. Where will you be when His Majesty appears, when He arrives to, to establish his, his kingdom? The disciples got it all mixed up. They eventually got it right. At Pentecost, they could see what it was about the church, New Age. <laughs> was established, the grace of the Lord was bestowed. Where will you be when his majesty appears? Colossians 3.4 When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him. Well, how did we get there? With him in glory. How can we appear with him unless we've gone up to be with him? called up to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians four thirteen. This is talking about the time when he comes in Revelation nineteen and Matthew twenty four, and we come with him. First Corinthians six two. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge as small as matters? First Thessalonians three thirteen. To the end he may establish your hearts unblamable in holiness before God, even our Father. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. He's, he's coming with his saints. We're already up there. How do we get there? 1 Corinthians 15:51 to 58, 1 Thessalonians 4:13 to 18. And in ver- Revelation 19:14, and the armies that were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The saints of the army that come with the Lord in his glory to be crowned. The coronation of the king (laughs) will be there, will be with him. And lastly, Jude 14 says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Where will you be? I pray that you'll be with him, coming with him, as he is coronated. Uh, The coronation of the king happens at Jerusalem. On that day he comes, defeating all his enemies. And establishes his kingdom. What a wonderful thing. If you're not a Christian, this might have gone right over your head. If you're a Christian, it might have gone right over your head. And it shouldn't be so. Because we should be studied in the word. Read the word of God. Come to faith in Jesus Christ if you're not a Christian. And be part of this wonderful thing that's going to happen in the near future. It's God said it. It'll happen. God bless you as you consider some of the thoughts of today.